Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. Today, we're going to talk about how leading with a human-centric approach strengthens recruiting, talent retention, and business goals. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Paul Vian, Chief Revenue Officer at Apps Associates. Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, Greg. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. Yeah. Looking forward to talking about this topic with you. Um, why don't we start by you giving a little background on both yourself as well as what you're currently doing at Apps Associates? Yeah, I'd be happy to do so, Greg. So as I said, Paul Vine, I'm the, the Chief Revenue Officer here at Apps Associates. Uh, my role entails essentially sales, which has been my lifeblood. Uh, I've been in sales ever since I can remember, uh, but also incorporates marketing, client satisfaction, and our alliance partners as well. I've mentioned I've been been in sales predominantly all of my life uh, throughout uh, Europe and, and also now here in the US. And I really started right back in, in the telesales days and uh, moving up into to various sort of account management positions and, and then into, into more of a sales leadership role. The broader role that I have now certainly encompasses the entire client experience, which is which is tremendously exciting for me. Great, great, wonderful. Well, so we're going to be talking today about how companies can achieve real sustainable growth by investing time and energy towards building a human-centric approach to their business. So let's start with some definitions here. Can you describe what human-centric means to you and, and Apps Associates and what a human-centric company values that others may not? Yeah, absolutely. The first thing that springs to my mind is right from the top uh, within the organization and, and how we're essentially uh, leading by example. So w- when you think about what may be beneficial to, to certain people and you, you think about those values, you think essentially, all right, people are here for, for a base salary, for you know, compensation, but, but obviously it, it's much, much broader than that. I'd like to think that we focus very heavily around empathy and, and compassion with, with the employees we really like to look at humanizing those daily interactions. So, you know, taking the time to talk to people um, about their day or their weekend, not just what tasks they've got in front of them from a from a work perspective, but but lots of collaboration, not just on email, but obviously through various different uh, communication mechanisms, making yourself available to other people. And, and I would stretch that further than not just your direct reports, but other people that perhaps you don't consider collaborating with on a daily basis, but your input is very valuable to them 
in terms of some level of mentorship. I always like to say having a sense of humor as well, Greg, um, you know, have, working through a, a particularly challenging day or challenging task or project or whatever it might be, you know, bringing that more human centric side through humor certainly helps to, to motivate the team and, and to get, get through those difficult projects. And then a big one here is, is the trust that, that you put in what we call our associates, but the employees giving them room to breathe, making mistakes. And as we like to say here, learning fast from those mistakes. I think gone are those days and they should be gone of, of just pure micromanagement. You, you've got to have that mutual trust. I think if you focus on all of those beyond just, hey, you're, you're here and you're earning a salary, you're here to, you know, to, to really thrive and grow within the business, making sure that you're available to those individuals are, are really important. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are great points. So you're chief revenue officer, as you mentioned, you've played a sales role throughout your career. Obviously, uh, you know, traditional sales metrics and revenue targets are still, and will always be critical uh, as a, as a measurement of success. Does being human centric change anything in terms of your goals and your measurements of success? Yeah, so without giving this, or certainly without giving my age away on this, Greg, I, I mentioned <laughs> I've been in sales a long time. And, you know, I, I think we've probably all seen some of those movies. And I've certainly been part of, uh, of, of sales motions where you, you think about that sort of boiler room mentality. <laughs> right. You know, you, you're here to deliver, you're here to, to hit a number. And, and, you know, essentially, it's almost like a, a robotic exchange of if you're not doing that, that you're failing. And, yeah. You know, that, that type of mentality for me, you know, it, it still exists, I'm sure. For me, it's, it's, it's something from the past that I was part of as a, as a sales rep. But essentially, what you're doing is you're stifling and, and you're controlling and, and you're micromanaging individuals, which, as we just talked about on the previous question, you're, you're not allowing people to, to really recognize that potential for growth. So you're correct. Sales metrics and goals are still critical. It's still the black and white of the job, but but don't be punitive with that. You know, you should treat the sales team or, or any part of your team as how you wish to be treated and, and not just a number. And, and, you know, if you didn't deliver on that number, you failed. And for me, one of the most important measurements and metrics outside of what is your quota and, and, and how are you doing in terms of quota attainment is the growth aspect of it. You know, we, we would all love somebody to come in on day one and, and be able to, to knock it out of the park and, and start delivering on their results. But the reality is that that just doesn't happen. So I think the important part to that measurement is, yes, am I tracking to my KPIs? Am I getting towards my target? But also, am I showing growth quarter over quarter, year over year? You know, that human-centric approach, what I found, not only does it, inspire and motivate the employee or the salesperson in, in this example, but that sort of trickles back down through to the, the customer engagement as well. You lose that desperation for a sale and somebody perhaps becoming unprofessional because their sales leader is, is really pushing down on them unprofessionally hard. And then also you sound a little less like a secondhand car salesperson in, in the <laughs> approach and, and you're still delivering value as you, as you go through that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And so lots of different people are motivated by by different things. You know, the in the in the boiler room scenario, you know, you you think yeah. of a lot of people that are very 
highly motivated by those extrinsic things, you know, salaries, bonuses, commissions, you know, all of those things. And those are great motivators, nothing wrong with being motivated by those things. There's also people that are in addition to those extrinsic things, they're motivated by intrinsic things. So, you know, this could be, I like to learn, or I like to share what I learn with others and, and help others, mentor others. It could be many, many other things that are not necessarily tied to a, a dollar amount or, or something. How do you balance these two types of things, these extrinsic motivations, these intrinsic motivations, in order to make sure that everybody is truly engaged and, and also the, that the company wins? You know, one size certainly does not fit all. That every individual is is different and everybody needs some level of different engagement and and coaching and support throughout their career you have to adjust to those individual needs to make sure that it's not that cookie cutter approach and you've also got to keep in mind that each employee's working that their total motivation is is going to differ and and you have to adjust your style uh, from a coach and a leadership perspective to to make sure that you're you're supporting that team accordingly. And when you give somebody a voice, so you're not just talking, talking over them and saying, Hey, again, you know, this is this, you're, you're here to earn a, a base salary and you're here to, to earn commission. And that's what it's about. You're, you're giving them the opportunity to essentially be heard, to be seen. And at that point, I feel like everybody is in that together to, to win. The, the second thing I would add is the, the positive workplace culture. So I, again, I can think back to to various movies and times in my career where you know, it's felt like more of a, a punitive approach to to getting sales done. And you know, if if you don't do this, then then this is the negative outcome. I, I don't think you can underestimate the power of positivity. And, and again, that goes from the top down. So from from the leadership down, it, it's really important that you set that tone and set that message. I think the other thing that that we quite often think about is celebrating the small wins along the way which includes the recognition and praise, uh, but then the ability to also identify where you haven't won and to, to look at those, uh, those losses and, and, and have those conversations open and honestly without criticism, but just constructive feedback in, in terms of how, how you're going to change that next time around. So it doesn't need to be punitive. Uh, and, and as I mentioned before, if you create that type of environment, you create the positive workplace culture you're going to see that trickle down to the customer experience. I'm, I'm a true believer. We, we all talk about you know, customer success and, and how we make sure that, that our customers are really happy. If we don't start that focus internally with the employees, ultimately, I, I think the customer suffers. So, so that, that is a really important benchmark. And I'll just wrap up on this, that how you make others feel in general, speaks louder than than I think anything else that you can you can ultimately say around a, a particular number or something in black and white. Before we continue, let's take a quick break. If you're like many marketing leaders today, you're inundated with a need to improve the customer experience across an increasing number of channels and touch points, all while ensuring your team is performing well, innovating, and continuously improving. So how do you find the time to determine what's next for you, your team, your brand, and your customers? My company, GK5A, can help. Whether it is advisory services, evaluation of marketing technology platforms and solutions, or digital agencies and implementation partners, 
or assistance with creating strategic roadmaps and prioritization of efforts. We've done it all and served as an ally to Fortune 1000 brands and industries like financial services, healthcare, consumer electronics, professional services, and more. You can learn more about these services and contact us at www.gk5a. That's www.gk5a.com. Now let's get back to the show. You kind of touched on this already in a, a bit, but you know what? What about? It's one thing to have a new employee, um, you know, be happy and excited. I think most of us, when we start a new job or a new project or whatever the case may be, you know, we're, there's some kind of enthusiasm in it, and and that that often lasts for a while, but. What about the talent retention component of this? You know, some of these things, even even some of these motivators uh, can be short term and, you know, people are often motivated by some things at different points or to an extent. So, you know, we're we're living through, you know, it was the great resignation. There's lots of labels for mm-hmm. for all the quiet quitting there's all, you know, all of these things going around and, and, you know, they, they have to do with a number of different things. And certainly we don't have time to talk about the origins of, of all of these, but, you know, we've got people resigning because they, they're not finding value in their work. We've got people quiet quitting, you know, which, you know, and kind of just doing, doing less than they might have normally. And, you know, we've got all of these other things. It's expensive to lose an employee. It's expensive to hire an employee, Given all of all of what you shared already, you know, how do successful companies look at this idea of retention? I, I think in general, the the whole conversation around the great resignation uh, and really just the the battle for for really good talent um, that that happened as we emerged from the pandemic was really interesting and and it certainly got us really focusing much more around retention overall to your point and to your question Greg the the time that we we now invest in focusing in on orientation and onboarding has increased significantly and, and making that a really positive pleasant seamless experience as, as people join join the business uh, it's interesting at the company I work for now apps associates we've always had a remote work policy. We, we're not really in, in the office organization. We're about 1,400 people and, and distributed across various different territories and regions across the globe. But we've had that flexibility. So we didn't face that issue like a number of organizations did and then work trying to work backwards from that and getting people back into the office as well. And then that also helps with that work-life balance that we're hearing lots about as well that I think that that is important and and I've realized that myself in terms of travel and how much time I'm spending on a plane now compared to what I was prior to the pandemic has shifted but I still feel extremely productive and 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 nothing else has really suffered from from that reason and you know I think if if you look around all of those different areas you you add more focus around just general career growth within your organization training opportunities and back to that sort of positive culture and an open door policy, all of these with the trust and micromanagement, if, if you can implement those, become a culture within your organization, and then people start to feel that during the interview process, if you do that correctly, and then as they're being onboarded into the organization, they see it almost immediately. And of course, the hardest thing to do is describe a culture until you actually feel it. Yeah, yeah. 
And you had mentioned some of Apps Associates' growth, and some of that certainly was organic growth. But uh, you know, the company has also acquired quite a few companies over the last year alone, achieving steady growth amidst the the economic stuff that's going on all around us. Right? Yeah. Um, what are some of the unique challenges? You know, I've I've been part of acquisitions before, and and certainly. Um, there, there are a unique set of challenges on a on a number of, of fronts, but since we're talking about culture and uh, and we're talking about teams, you know, what are some of the unique challenges that mergers and acquisitions pose to a company that's really driven by these high performing teams? I look at it in in two different ways. So just focusing in purely from a, a sales perspective, and, and when we've we've looked at growth and, and acquiring companies. Some of the the early on mistakes that that we've seen are, hey, we you know we've got to get this company acquired, we've got to get it integrated as quickly as possible, we've got to get them doing exactly what we do, uh, otherwise we're going to end up with all of these different and disparate approaches. And of course, that that's not the case. You, you certainly have a runway and a soft runway to to change. And if you think back to the human element of this. When you think back to salespeople, you have to ask your question, do, do you need to change their, their comp immediately, for example, to, to line up with what, what you have as the acquiring company? Do you need to update and change their targets immediately? So it's that, that immediate sticker shock of now suddenly you're doing this the next day when you didn't know you were being acquired the day before versus actually it's okay to let you run with this for the foreseeable future. And you know, slowly integrate and start to build up that that's that confidence and that understanding and, and starting to fill that culture is, is we've seen that as a really important lesson here. So the the big bang integration and hey, everything's gotta be our way and, and we can't we can't sort of run through this at a softer runway is has been a really important lesson that that we've seen here. Um and then just just in general, you know, there's that feeling that from the company being acquired, you know, what, what they had was was better than what they're getting now. So you, you have to take your time to, to sort of work through that. Immediately, you don't have to rip the Band-Aid off and say, all right, you're, you're straight over to, to this particular HR policy or benefit or whatever it might be. You, you've got some time to work through that. And the positives on paper of when you look at cultural alignment between two organizations can look fantastic. But obviously, when you're first getting together, you know, you're first, you're having that first date with everybody. Right. It can be a very different experience from what, what you saw as you were going through that process of, uh, of acquisition. So I think the bringing the, the, the good parts of the, the culture from both the organizations and, and, and piling those together can be extremely positive. If you don't focus on that, it can obviously be a, a, a really detrimental to the acquisition and, and really hold you back much longer than you need to. And, you know, we, we've seen things, Greg, around that smaller company mindset and moving into a bigger company mindset. You have to be really careful, uh, again, around, hey, I've, I've done it this way. What, you know, why don't you understand why I do it this way and, and, and really ease people in? in a sort of gentle process to then show them that actually it's not a bad way of doing something. It's just, it's a different way. And this is why we have to do it this way. So, you know, all, all of the funds and fun and games of system integrations and processes and letting go of a, of a brand that was near and dear to somebody's heart. And, and we've had experience of, of that and, and saying, look, you know, it's, it's not, it's a, it's a bad brand. And, and we, we want to keep elements of this 
in our DNA moving forwards. But but having lots of sort of disparate brands and and disparate approaches in the long term is is going to cause us more pain. And just thinking thinking through all of those things, a cookie cutter approach does not fit every merger uh, and acquisition. You, you've got to have a level of patience, listening, and empathy for for a smoother integration. And demonstrating, as I said, a, a different way doesn't mean a bad way. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, even if it's logically and objectively, we can see that something might be better humans just aren't really great at change you know they're not right. really great at, at wanting change and you know they're some people can adapt more quickly than others and eventually you know if if the change is good they will they'll be happy that they ended up adopting it but you know change is just hard even again even if it's even if it's good and and objectively better but you know i, I liked what you what you mentioned as far as one of one of the positives is you know finding the the best parts of of some of these things and trying to integrate into the whole you know i wonder are there any other unique opportunities you know given given that change is 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 hard and change can be a challenge but you know are there some unique opportunities that an acquisition presents from both a company as well as well as that that cultural perspective i think one of the most exciting elements of of any acquisition greg is just the, the opportunity to learn from the talent of the company that you're acquiring. Because yeah. you're, not, you're not just acquiring assets or, or revenue or you know, whatever it might be, um, whatever line of business that you're in. You know, a big part of this is, is around the people that you're bringing in. And, and you know, I think the, the bringing together, like I said, from a cultural aspect, whilst you, know, you mentioned this, it can be a challenge and change is a challenge, if you handle that correctly and you, you don't go with, you know, hey, we've, we've got to solve this in, in, in 30 or 60 days, it can really fuel what you currently have when, when you bring two sets of, of people together that, that have really great ideas and, and have built something ever so special to be able to then take that and then create something even more special and and you've got to work hard at that. That's not easy to do. You've really got to make people feel at home in, in the new business. You, you've got to work to get them really excited for, for the new journey and the opportunity ahead. Because there's going to be a lot of uh, concern, perhaps skepticism, and really, you know, what, what is my future? Back to that change, change piece for any individual. There's lots of anxiety and question marks, and, and people need to need you to talk them through that and give them that sort of clear plan. But certainly the, the talent piece of it for me is, is ever so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So you've touched on, on some pieces of this as well, but you know, how do you think about success when you're integrating a new company or, you know, in the case of apps associates, maybe one, two, three plus companies into a a culture that is already successful you know what what does success look like for that integration from um from just from how you look at it the fundamental success when i look at the acquisitions is retaining the talent that you've acquired and helping them to thrive in in that new environment otherwise to me it's you know what, what was the reason for all of this if you're going to bring and invest into individuals uh, that work for a company as well as you know wh whatever else that company is building 
but you don't get the integration correct and you don't invest time, effort into that process and you lose the talent, I think you can close the book and say that that, that, uh, that acquisition was not a success and that, that it's not, not a good model to move forward. So that, that is, and I could talk about several different things, Greg, but that to me is the, the most important part of success. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, Paul, uh, thank you so much for joining the show. I've got one last question before we wrap up here and you've already given a lot of good advice. So, but uh, you know, I'd love to get one, one piece of advice just to close here that what would you say to, to brands that they know they need to become more human centric, not necessarily sure how to do it, but you know, what, what would you recommend as they navigate the months ahead? I would recommend that whilst on the surface, it feels like you're busy, you're back to back with meeting, you've got plenty of metrics that are being pushed down from the top. And that's in your sort of near term sights and vision. If you don't take a, a big portion of your day to be talking to your team members, to be interacting and engaging, to be there showing that empathy and you know, working through things together and collaboratively, that you're not going to see that improvement. And I just can't stress that part enough that it feels like sometimes you get to the end of the day and you may not have accomplished what your day-to-day tasks are because you've been working and solving issues with with your team and with other people that are coming to you in a, in a sort of mentoring capacity. But you can't underestimate the importance of that. So my advice would be take that time and take a significant portion of your week to to do that and to to work and talk to your team. Yeah, great, great, wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Paul Vian, Chief Revenue Officer at Apps Associates for joining the show. You can learn more about Paul and Apps Associates by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.